Welcome to the Dogwood Podcast, a presentation of Dogwood Church. For more information, visit dogwood.church. Join us now as Pastor Keith shares today's message. In Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 through 17, it says, Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. But John tried to stop him, saying, I need to be baptized by you, and yet you come to me? Jesus answered him, Allow it for now, because this is the way for us to fulfill all righteousness. Then he allowed him to be baptized. After Jesus was baptized, he went up immediately from the water. The heaven suddenly opened for him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and coming down on him. And there came a voice from heaven, This is my beloved Son. I take delight in Well, good morning. Great to see you. Great to see you. You know, baptism is a necessity for Christians. Baptism is, is not an option for followers of Jesus. Baptism is important. Baptism is essential. And uh, we need to talk about it today. Um, the reason we need to talk about it is that there are many of you who have sometime in the past, maybe... Uh, uh, five days ago or five years ago, trusted in Jesus Christ as your Savior and Lord, but you have not taken the very first step of obedience that He expects and commands uh, to acknowledge Him and celebrate Him publicly, uh, which is what baptism is. So I'm I'm going to take uh, this talk this morning, and I'm going to I'm going to exhort you. I'm going to encourage you. I'm uh, uh, going to prod you and and do everything I can uh, to uh, encourage you to take the next step of obedience to uh, the Lord Jesus. So here we go. Get ready. the um, The reason that you should be baptized is because your relational health to Jesus depends upon it. Your you should be baptized if you have placed your faith in Jesus Christ, again, because your spiritual well-being depends upon it. Uh, one of my mentors used to say it this way. He was great. I'm not, a, I'm not a great wordsmith. I'm not great with a turn of a phrase. He was magnificent. One of the things uh, he would always say is this, uh, obedience matters. He said, it's a matter of obedience and, and, and because obedience matters. It's a matter of obedience and obedience matters Obedience to Jesus matters. See, I can't even say it when I've been practicing it. Something about obedience in there to Jesus. And uh, it is a matter of obedience. So, so you might have the question, well, Pastor, if baptism is so important, tell me, tell, why is it important? What's the significance? What's the meaning of baptism? So let's do that. Uh, on the screen, you'll you'll notice this first. Baptism is our public profession of faith in the Lord Jesus Christ. It is Christianity's initiation rite. It is, this, it is a sign of identification with the Lord Jesus. It's the going public with our faith in Christ. Now, it's more than that, as we're going to see in a few minutes, but it includes with it the idea that once a person admits her sin and repents of her sin, and turns 
from herself to Christ and places her trust in Jesus as Lord and Savior, then some public step, after that very personal private step, some public step is, is necessary and needed to show the world that this woman or this man has become a follower of Christ. It's a way of saying, I am not ashamed of Jesus. It's a way of saying, I, I am not ashamed. I don't care who knows. In fact, I'd like for everyone to know that I am a follower of Christ. Uh, way back in the first century church, in the book of Acts, we find recorded that there were some disciples of John the Baptist. In other words, they had been learning about the kingdom of God from John the Baptist, who God sent as the forerunner of the Messiah, our Lord Jesus, to prepare the way for him. And, uh, but they had, not, they had somehow missed out on that Jesus had uh, come and performed his magnificent work uh, on the cross and rose from the dead. And, but when they learned about Jesus, in Acts chapter 19, verse 5, we find these words. Take a look at it. When they heard this, they were baptized in the name of the Lord Jesus. When they heard about Jesus, they responded, and then they were baptized to show their allegiance uh, to Him. Uh, the Apostle Peter, on the, very, on the very first day of the church in uh, Jerusalem, when he preached to that crowd in the streets of Jerusalem, he gave these words in Acts chapter 2, verse 38. Repent, Peter said to them, and be baptized, each of you, in the name of Jesus, because of the forgiveness of your sins. So, so in a way, uh, how can I express this? Let me do it this way. Uh, my father-in-law, as you've heard me say before, was the uh, Ford Mercury dealer in our little hometown for about 30 years. And he used to say that he had difficulty uh, separating the tire kickers on the lot from the car buyers. And do you, do you all know those analogies? Anybody know that? It's the tire kickers are people who got the day off and some time on their hands and just want to see the cars on the lot. And, uh, but they're not, really, they're not planning on buying a car. Not planning, well, and so he'd spend all his time with them while the real buyer was over there waiting for somebody to help him. It just frustrated him. He couldn't tell. Uh, some of you in retail would say it this way. It, 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 it's, there's a difference between the window shoppers and the consumer, the real purchasers who are going to make a purchase. There's a difference there. Well, baptism in the family of God has always served as kind of a test to... to Divide the tire kickers from the real buyers, from those who are really, uh, it's, it's always been kind of a, stood there as a do you really mean it or don't you mean it kind of test in this thing of following the Lord Jesus. Because it's one thing for you and I to say in the privacy of our own heart, um, I'm a sinner who needs a Savior. And it's an entirely different thing to step out of the shadows and walk into a baptismal pool like we've seen this morning, stand before four or five hundred people and uh, declare, demonstrate publicly by this, this uh, ordinance of the church of being baptized, lowered into the water and brought up out of the water, to declare, I have... Uh, uh, I've died to my old way of life and repented of my sins and now I'm placing my faith in Jesus and He's raised to give me a brand new life and I'm following, I'm following Him. 
I'm dedicating the rest of my life to follow Jesus. No turning back, no turning back. Now, that kind of raises the bar for us, doesn't it? Yeah, it does. It does when we make, it causes you to, to have a little bit of a gut check when you make that kind of decision uh, spiritually because once you and I go public with our faith, I mean, we kind of go on record uh, with our faith in Christ, it's a little tougher to turn back. In fact, that's one of the benefits. It, it helps us. We've, we've shown our colors. We're, we've, we've made our commitment. Uh, uh, everybody, everybody knows this. Now, Jesus himself said this in Matthew chapter 10, beginning in verse 32. He said, Therefore, everyone who will acknowledge me before men, I will acknowledge him before my Father in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, I will also deny him before my Father in heaven. And in Luke chapter 9, verse 26, he said it this way, For whoever is ashamed of me and my words, the Son of Man will be ashamed of him when he comes in his glory and that of the Father and of the Holy Angels. So, it is, a, uh, it is the public profession of our faith in Christ that Christ expects of every genuine follower. So, another question would be, okay, that's, that's significant, Pastor. So, what are, why should I be baptized? What are some other reasons? Well, I want to give you at least three. There may be more, but let me give you three good ones, three big ones. Uh, first of all, it kind of relates to the first one. Number one, it shows that you and I have really become a follower of Jesus and we are not ashamed of, of Him. This is precisely one of the functions of believers' baptism. It shows that we already are a believer. Because baptism doesn't save you. Baptism, baptism doesn't... Um, uh, give you eternal life. Only faith in Christ and what He accomplished when He died on the cross and rose from the dead and apply, ask Him to apply that to us personally. That, he's the only one who saves uh, us. It is a symbol, an outward symbol, that we have experienced that inward transformation through faith alone in Christ Alone, So it shows we become a follower of Jesus. We're not ashamed of Him. Second reason why is this, because Jesus said so. Jesus commanded it. And uh, all those who claim to be His followers want to obey His commands out of love and gratitude for the salvation that He has um, given to us. Now, uh, just before Jesus ascended into heaven, see, there was His, there was his crucifixion, on Good Friday, His death on the cross, three days later, first day of the week, His resurrection, bodily resurrection from the dead. And then the Bible gives an account of, of Him being remaining on the earth for 40 days. 40 days teaching. He revealed Himself to tons of, of His disciples, over 500 disciples in one, at one showing at one time. Well, 40 days later, just before he ascended into heaven, he had gathered his closest disciples and he had gathered his, um, uh, the, the, the early church leaders and he actually on that uh, day gave those Christian leaders some very specific instructions. He gave a specific order or command that they were to challenge new believers 
all new believers with baptism. All throughout history, no matter what culture they are from, no matter what belief system they were coming out of, no matter how, um, how threatening the idea of baptism was to some, uh, no matter how humbling the idea of baptism would be uh, to others, we find that it is a universal command to all followers of Christ. We find it in Matthew chapter 28, uh, beginning in verse 19. Here's what Jesus said to those Christians. You go, therefore, and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and of the Holy Spirit. So, uh, it shows we're a believer and we're not ashamed of Jesus. Number two, Jesus commanded us as our Lord and Savior to, to take this step of obedience. Uh, and the third reason we should be baptized is because it is a public demonstration of, uh, of becoming a church member. It's a public demonstration of joining to a body of believers, other believers, other followers in Jesus Christ because the Christian faith is not just about believing, it's also about belonging. And the Bible says we belong not only to Jesus, but we belong to every other Christian. We belong. And the visible expressions of that body of Christ, they are, are local congregations. This is one of the local... Con- we have a lot of congregations here. There's one church in Fayette and Coweta County. There's a ton of congregations. One church, all followers of Jesus. But we're gathered in identifiable groups of believers called congregations. And it is a symbol of saying, I'm not only identifying with Jesus, but I'm connecting to His people. Um, in Acts chapter 2, verse 41, uh, at the end of the Apostle Peter's sermon in the streets of Jerusalem on that very first day of the, of the church, we find here's how they responded. Thousands of people heard him. And the Bible says those who accepted his message were baptized. And about 3,000 were added to their number that day. Here's the question. Added to whose number? Added to whose number? Added to the church at Jerusalem. It, it, they were baptized and added to the church at Jerusalem. It's, a, it, it's, a, it's a, 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 an initiatory right, an, an, an interest. It's the front door that says, I'm identifying with Christ and I'm belonging to His, His people. And it's best to be baptized at the church that you're joining or becoming a part of or the church that uh, has influenced you to become a follower of of Christ. So those are three reasons why. Now, baptism always raises some questions. You have some questions rolling around in the back of your mind for me right now. You're saying, yeah, pastor, but what about this? What about this? What about this? Well, let me answer three of those. They're the three most common questions that I receive about baptism over all these years, 30 years here at Dogwood Church. And here's the first question. Here's it. Is it more important to baptize babies or people who are old enough to make a faith decision on their own? That's a very good question. And uh, it is the most common question that I get. Now, let me say this. Bright, wonderful, godly, Lovers of Jesus, followers of Jesus, very bright, smart Christian scholars who are all in the kingdom of God. We're all being heaven together. We fall out on on both sides of this this question. So you might as well know where we, where I, it starts to say where Dogwood falls out, but it's really me and 
I'm dogwood on, on this point. This is us. This is where we net out. Might as well say it. Um, uh, dogwood falls, we've come to the conviction uh, and that most, most of, not all, most of Protestant Christianity down through history has come to this decision and it's, uh, or this position after studying the Scriptures. Because again, our final say-so on what we are to believe and how we are to behave and how we will conduct the, the uh, life of this church are the Scriptures. And so from a multi-decade-long study and soaking in the Scriptures, we, this is the conclusion, the position we've come, come to. That, that baptism, Christian baptism, should only be administered to uh, those who are, fit three categories. Here they are. Old enough, mature enough, and responsible enough. Old enough, mature enough, and responsible enough. Now let me tell you, explain what I mean. Baptism should be administered to people who are old enough to recognize, here we go, their own sinfulness before God. They become aware of their sinfulness before God. Um, they mature to the place where they become morally responsible to God. They're, they're not innocent any longer. You say, well, how old is that? It varies. It varies. Sometimes very young children become aware. Sometimes, um, sometimes they're up into adolescence a little bit before the light turns on and they're not what I would call an innocent before God uh, any longer. Uh, you know, they're... Moral maturity, is, it varies. It varies there. But at some point, um, human beings grow to the place of moral responsibility and then they're responsible before God. So old enough to recognize not just that I love Jesus and want to be baptized. I mean, kids that grow up and are around Jesus, who wouldn't love Jesus? I mean, He's the most lovable being in, in existence. Right? Of course. You know, I had somebody come to me, oh, my three-year-old said they love Jesus and want to be baptized. And I said, no. You know, I, I got good, but keep them coming. You know, we want them to love Jesus and one day become, get the cosmic two-by-four up beside their head that, oh, no, I don't just love Jesus. I need Jesus. I'm in trouble. Aware, mature enough, old enough to know their own sinfulness. Number two, mature enough to understand that what the death of Christ really means. Now we we you know we we've been singing about the death of Christ and its meaning the cross of Christ all morning. We've got the cross up there, so we come in, we we see it, and and we sing about it, and we teach about it, and we preach about it all the time. Why? Because we human beings uh, have Teflon brains and hearts when it comes to the to the person and work of Jesus. We forget what the death of Christ really means and why we. Why we need him. Martin Luther, the great reformer, you know, we're celebrating the 500th year of the reformation of the church and we're all indebted to go tell a Lutheran thank you, by the way, uh, for it. And so um, we, Martin Luther, the great reformer, said it in this great theological term he's, to, to pastors that he taught. He said, beat it in their heads every week. 
<laughs> I thought, wow, I thought I was looking for some big dignified statement. He said, beat the gospel into their heads every week. Why? So for some reason, we have a hard time getting it. The me- Why Jesus died on the cross and what he did when he died. It's called substitutionary atonement. Now, we get the word, sub, we understand substitute. Those of you who, like me, had a less than stellar athletic career in high school, you understand the word substitute. You know, it's, it's one taking the place of another, right? One thing. Uh, and atoning, this idea of atonement. Atonement means appropriate payment for a crime that's been committed. Appropriate payment for, for a crime that's been committed. And, 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 and in our culture, people just can't get peace. If there's been a serious crime in a community, or now, you know, sometimes in a nation because uh, we know about what's happening all over the nation, un- until appropriate payment is made for that crime, people just can't move on, can they? You know, it's appropriate payment when a crime has been committed. Now, you put those two together, substitutionary atonement, and you get what Jesus did on the cross. He didn't commit any crimes against God the Father. No, 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 no. He was without sin. You did. I did. Every person who's morally responsible did. And so what we have here is Jesus on the cross making appropriate payment for the crime of humanity against God the Father in our place. That's what we're saying. The Lamb of God in my place. It was my death. He died. Get it? Doing that Martin Luther thing. If you want to know what I'm doing here, I'm beating it in your head. Pounding it in your head. Why? It's it's shocking. It's stunning. Well, until a person understands that, you know, they're... What are they doing? Old enough to be aware of their own sinfulness, mature enough to understand the death of Christ, responsible enough, uh, responsible enough to make a solid decision to follow Jesus Christ on their own. Your mama can't decide for you to follow Christ for you. Now she may have tried, and. She probably should try, <laughs> you know. Thank God for our people who want us to be become followers of, of Jesus. But you got to do that. And so the Bible, we believe, teaches that baptism is to be administered only to those who are old enough, mature enough, and responsible enough. You, you. Now, so, okay. Now, where were we, Pastor? We jumped a rabbit, and let me. You know, when you jump a rabbit, you should give him a darn good chase in a talk if you want to know it. But now, now that we've caught him, let's walk back up to the trail. The question that I'm answering is this one. Uh, is it important, more important to baptize babies or people who are old enough to make a faith decision on their own? You should know there is not one, not a single clear reference in the Bible to a baby being baptized. Not one. Not a single clear reference there. Almost every time in the Bible when baptism is mentioned, it is attached to the command to first repent, humble yourself, trust in the saving work of Christ, then be baptized. Obviously, decisions like that require uh, significant levels uh, of uh, 
age, maturity, and responsibility. So um, now at dog, so what do you do with babies? Well, at Dogwood, we don't baptize infants. We practice what we call parent-child dedication. We dedicate babies and we dedicate children um, uh, to the Lord, but we don't baptize them. These are these are important dedication ceremonies. They are not baptisms. And and we also emphasize here at Dogwood that even uh, though a person was baptized as a baby, like many of us here were, in order to comply with the teaching and the command of Jesus in the Scriptures, as we understand it, he or she should be baptized when that person makes a personal, mature decision to follow Jesus on their own. That's why we call it believer's baptism, not infant baptism. Be- belief comes before baptism. Only believers should be baptized. Second question I get frequently is this one. Does baptism have the power to save you? Does baptism give you salvation? Does baptism give you entrance into the family of God? Now, I believe, tragically, uh, there are people who believe that they are accepted by God, that they're okay with God, that they are in the family of God, that they're adopted as children of God, that they are living in the kingdom of God, and that they are going to spend eternity with God in heaven when they die simply because some religious leader sprinkled a little water on their heads a few weeks after they were born. There is absolutely no biblical basis for that. And so if you're banking on being okay with God and being in His family and going to spend eternity with Him when you die on, on a, because you were baptized as a, uh, as a baby or even as an older person. I was just baptized. Well, I was baptized. I'm okay. No, 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 no. You're putting your faith in a religious ceremony rather than a person, Jesus Christ, and what He accomplished when He died on the cross and rose from the dead. Only He does the saving. So, no. Now, this leads to a third question. And here it is. What if a person refuses to be baptized? Now, I've got to tell you, when, when I hear this one, I don't always have the guts to say it out loud, but I really go through this, this question in my, these, in my mind. Uh, I, I want to say, now, let me get this straight. So, Jesus, the Bible says, did not consider being God on His throne in heaven, something to be clutched selfishly, but instead, out of love for rebellious human beings shaking their fist in the face of God, He stepped out of heaven and took on the form of a man and was obedient to, to all the way to death on the cross, and there on the cross died an incredibly painful death and took all of the guilt and the shame uh, for, of all of human beings for all time on Himself and paid the incredibly difficult, painful price to pay the penalty in full and then offered this salvation to you as grace and free grace and you took it. He does all this for you and then when He asks you... Um, to go public with your faith, to say that you have received this wonderful gift from uh, God, uh, you are of the mind to say, well, I'll take the gift, but 
I'm not being baptized. I'm not doing that. What? I, I want to say, now let me get this. Really? That's, friend, something's wrong here. Something's wrong here. That someone would say, I understand what the cross of Christ is all about and what grace is and what heaven and hell is and the gift of eternal life has been given to me all out of grace, but I am not willing to stand up and give any public witness that I have received that gift. Something is wrong because true believers, people who have met Christ and His amazing grace, not only offer their sins to Christ, we yield our wills to Him. He gets to make the call. We give ourselves to Him. Upon receiving Him, we say, Lord, I will Yes, I will follow you. You just say the word and I'll do it. Baptism, no problem. Where do I stand? I'll get in any baptismal pool, any body of water in front of any group of people. I am not ashamed of you. I am thrilled that I have been accepted by God, that while I was still a sinner, you died for me. You did this for me. Really, I'm anxious. To, I am so blessed to be forgiven and adopted and given your gift of eternal life. Uh, I Yes, I am. Yes. Now, that's the heart of a true believer. That's the heart of somebody who's met Christ and been saved. And so when I hear someone say, well, sure, I'm a Christian, but I'm not going to I'm not going to do what Jesus said. It spells real trouble to me for them. For you. Because I fear's what I fear. I fear if that's your attitude, I fear you got you got vaccinated against the real thing. You've been inoculated. I, I fear you didn't get the real thing. That you may not be in the faith. Because in a way, baptism is the very first test of obedience in the life of someone who claims to be a new believer. And so when someone claims to be a new believer and they shake their fist in rebellion against the very first thing that Jesus our Lord says for us to do, um, I think you should do a heart check. You know, the Bible says this to all of us, that we are to examine ourselves to make sure that we are in the faith. Because I wonder if you've had a real experience of salvation with Christ at all. And I... So, you say, you don't know that. No, I never will know that. But you can know that and you better know it. You better find out. You, you can do it. You can find out. You and God know and you find out. Because you see, obeying Christ's commands shows that we know Him and love Him. So well, where'd you get that? Well, I got it in the Bible. Right here. 1 John chapter 2, verse 3. We know that we have come to know Him if we obey His commands. How, how do you know someone's a follower of Jesus? They are eagerly obeying Him out of love and gratitude for the great salvation. Not to earn favor with God. You can't earn His favor. But out of love and gratitude, they, they are becoming... He's put a heart in us so that we naturally become the kind of person who, uh, who obeys what He wants done. The right thing for the right reason, the right way, all to bring glory uh, to him. So it's not consistent to, since Jesus commanded us to be baptized, to say, Jesus, you are my Lord and my God, and I'm not going to do a first thing that you say. And that's, it makes no 
since Jesus said it this way in John 14, 21, He who has my commandments and keeps them, he it is who loves me. So, question. Since you have received forgiveness and the free gift of salvation through Jesus, have you been baptized since then? Have you? Have you? As a believer, as someone who knows the score, someone who's repented of their personal sin and turned to Christ, have you been baptized since then? Signaling the fact publicly, I am a follower of Jesus, no turning back, no turning back, I'm willing to go public with it. Have you said, yes, Lord, I'm willing to step out of the shadows into the public and give a witness? I am not ashamed, I am grateful, I am willing, Uh, I desire uh, to tell people that you've changed my life. Uh, Have you done that? Well, if not, then here's my question. Why? 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 Why not? Why haven't you? Why haven't you? Some of you would answer that question, why, with this. Well, I didn't know. I, I didn't know about this command, or I didn't understand it, and what I needed was some a clear explanation from the Bible on it, and now I've got it, and I'm in. I'm ready to go. Sign me up. And I would say, great, because that's the heart of a true follower of of Jesus. But if you say, I understand it, Pastor, and I'm a Christian, but I am not going to do that, then I would ask you to look in the mirror and ask, am I playing games here or is my faith real? Am I a Christian or aren't I? Have I determined to live for the King? Have I passed the first step of obedience? I don't travel very much, but um, this last year I happened to be coming in back into Atlanta from a flight and, and got off at one of the really, 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 really busy times. So all the flights were coming in and I stepped out at the very end of the A concourse and it was jammed with people. Jammed. Some of you travel a lot, you know, it's oh, it's like that. And so I'm I'm starting and we, we're this massive group trying to go up the right side of the concourse and whole another mass of people coming and we're just all jammed in and uh, it was just wonderful for people who have claustrophobia. You've been there, but I mean, it's just it's people, people, people everywhere. And I'm uh, most people were being gracious, you know, and kind of helping people get along. And, uh, and all of a sudden I realized I was hearing something in the back of my mind going, And, I look, and everybody's ju- and here comes the cart, you know, the little courtesy cart with someone on the back. I don't know, how, how do you get to be one of those? I don't know, but anyway, and, and man, that thing, it was just going right through the crowd and it split that concourse wide open, just one side to the other. Baptism has always served as kind of a... through the crowd to separate the... Tire kickers from the real Bible. And so, like a wedge. And so, I would just say this morning, let the wedge of God's Spirit pass through this room. Let this issue of baptism separate who's really in and who's really on board and who's not. And if you are now in, then let's do something about it. Be baptized. Next Sunday, 
We're going to celebrate Christian baptism with a whole bunch of people in our services. And so I want you to take your welcome card. Take it now. Or just get a piece of paper or something you can write with it. Take your welcome card. And if you have... If you're a believer, but you've never been baptized, and you say, okay, I, I got it, and I am in. I have decided to follow Jesus. I'm going to obey Him on this test. I am in. Uh, on the on the back side of that card, back side of the card here, we're under the little section that says, I'd like to talk with someone about. Check the block that says baptism. And what that will mean to me is you're saying, I want to be baptized. Now, do, it, you might not can do it next week. That's okay. But I, I need to and I want to be baptized. Put that on the card. Put that on the card. Now, it'll help us if you will also write which service you want, you're going to be in. I know this is the 11 o'clock service. This may be your typical service. Write 11 o'clock. But if, you're, if it's the 915, write 915 by there. And that'll help us with our preparation. If you need to change services, that's no big deal. Just let us know and we'll schedule that. If you'll do this and turn it in, uh, we our baptism team will be in contact with you this week and give you all the details about what to wear and what to bring with you and how to prepare. We'll be all prepared for you, and it'll be a great celebration. This will give you a week to invite important people to come uh, witness your Christian baptism, your believer's baptism. Uh, there'll be people, loved ones, who will want to celebrate with you, but even more so, uh, invite uh, the people in your circles of relationships who have yet to become followers of Jesus and to come and see you preach a sermon without saying a word. And then maybe maybe Jesus will grab their hearts. And so uh, you do that. Now, for some of you, you may have realized, you know, there's a step I need to take before baptism. I have never become a follower of Jesus privately in my own heart. And I need to do that first, right? Right. So pray with me. You may be ready right now. Let's pray. I want to guide you through a prayer time. God's more concerned with the attitude of your heart than He is the words of your mouth. These are not magic words, but you, you pray this if this expresses your desire to come to faith in Christ. Dear Lord Jesus, I admit that I've gone my own way I have sinned in my thoughts and words and actions. And I'm sorry for my sins. I turn from them in repentance. I believe you died for me, carrying my sins in your body on the cross. And I thank you for your great love. Now I open the door of my life. Come in, Lord Jesus. Come in as my Savior and forgive and cleanse me from my sin. Come in as my Lord and my King and take control of my life in eternity. And I commit to serve you as you give me strength all the days of my life. Thank you, Lord, for making a way for us to know you. And it's in Christ's name that we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Dogwood Podcast. We hope you enjoyed the message. 
For more information and other sermons, visit dogwood.church. If you'd like to give to Dogwood Church, you can use your smartphone and text keyword dogwood to 779-77 or click the Give link online. You can now download the Dogwood Church app for Apple and Android devices for podcast, video, and more.